Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. I think I'm on the air. Good morning. This is Kathy Anello, your hostess of the Best Life Cafe, together with co-hostess Carrie Tucker Ellis. We're here today to actually talk about my book. I'm so excited to be here this morning on this rainy morning in Northern California with my dear friend, Carrie, in Southern California. How's the weather, Carrie? <laughs> you know, we are having a little bit of sunshine right now, but I think, I think we have two days of sunshine, and then on Friday we get more rain. But it has been, I think we're, we're you know, I think the drought is finally done. Or at least there's a dent in the drought. Let's put it that way. I actually had that conversation this morning. We have, where I live in Northern California, we have some of the most beautiful lakes. And for the last five years, they have pretty much been either dormant and and dry and, and, and a plateau of desert, or we've had, you know, struggling to keep the water in another lake. And they're so full. It's going to be a wonderful summer. So I just keep positive with that thought that this rain is leading to many lake days for me this year. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. It's, and isn't it fun so, to think about summer? Oh, my God, yes. So, know, so we're, we're going to talk today about my book. And Carrie's going to actually be doing some interviewing of me. But before we get started on that, I want to lead in with my uh, Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. And, uh, you know, Wayne Dyer is a huge part of my involvement while I was writing the book. And I know Carrie and I shared such a kindred love for him. Um, Even, you know, having time on his beach in Maui this summer together, which was awesome. Uh, But Wayne, to me, was someone that came to me later in my life. You know, even though I knew that he was around for many, many years, I kind of had heard little things, the erroneous zone, and, you know, little things through the years. But finding Wayne at the time that I found him couldn't have been better timing because one of the things that he said to me in a seminar I attended that has to this minute stuck with me is one. he stood in front of, you know, a thousand people and he said, go out and live your life fearlessly. And the word fearlessly meant, to me, nothing can hold me back from my dreams. And it really just turned a page for me at a time in my life when I was struggling to turn pages and see what was next. So today I want to just read one of his quotes, and it says, peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is rather than as you think it should be. Amen, because I lived a lot of time in my brain uh, mm. analyzing and reanalyzing and creating scenarios that didn't, didn't even, weren't even true, but they were true in my mind. And so this quote for me just reminds me that I have today, that it is what it is, and that in each moment I, I'm aware of my surroundings and of what is going on for me, then I'm at peace because I'm not struggling with what happened yesterday or what's happening two hours from now that I have absolutely no control over. Yeah, that's, I love that. I kind of, I kind of went away for a minute with that one and just thinking about my life and anyway. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, my darling, who I love so much, let's talk about your book. I'm so excited to do this. Um, so I, I guess I really, I know, like, so tell me and tell everybody, like, what was your inspiration for even 
sitting down and writing this book? Like, where did it come from? Oh, yeah, a lot of places. But but in a nutshell, um, working in corporate America um, at what started out to be a company and a job that I absolutely loved and people that I loved, which we all do, and work is such a huge part of our life that when you can find a place where you can, you know, enjoy the people around you and laugh every day and be a team and have the same sort of vibes and causes, and I really felt like we had that. And enter, you know, um, corporate America, a takeover, and new people, and um, one abusive person who wreaked toxic toxicity in the environment for a couple of years while I stood by and collected my paycheck. And um, I grappled with the integrity of what was going on around me versus what I needed for my security. And it was a really difficult time because at some point the person I am said, you can't let this go on anymore. So I started to be more vocal about you know, legally what was going on and, and how that was affecting the company. And at, the more that I did that, the more I became the target. And then once I was the target, it was a downhill spiral till I finally said enough and stood up for myself and then got fired. But during that process of, of before I got fired, I was sitting at my desk one day. I had a full-on panic attack. I was crying buckets. My door was closed. People were worried about me. And I literally went to Twitter, which was sort of a private little so, you know, solace of outreach that I had to kind of voice myself where nobody would find me because I didn't have anybody that I knew on Twitter at that time. And this is four years ago. And so I wrote, I don't know how I'm going to live. Hashtag, I only know how I'm not going to live. Like I knew that was the moment that I was no longer going to be living with abuse in my life. And uh, a voice, literally my higher voice that I know now, but at the time it kind of was like, was that real or was this my mind? Said, if you only had six months to live, would you be living this way? And then that opened up for me, you know, I couldn't unthink that question anymore. So once I... I couldn't unthink it. I started to examine what was really important, and I just started journaling. Then I got fired. Then I sat on the couch six months in post-traumatic stress wondering what the hell just happened in my life because I thought for sure this was my future. This was where I would retire. This was what I was going to do till I was 65, blah, blah, blah. But life doesn't work that way because anything can happen in any day, and that's what I learned So then I took my journal and then I had the time. And when I finally got back on my feet after about six or seven months, um, I decided to go to a writer's workshop at Hay House. And during that process, they have you write up a proposal. They actually teach you how to propose a book to a publisher. And so I had no choice if I wanted to be a part of their contest where you could win a $10,000 publishing contract to go ahead and put this into format. And once I did that, it was on. And then I feverishly wrote, um, you know, for weeks and weeks, you know, where I put in the book, this is one week. Those one weeks took me about a month and a half (laughs) to live and process and and go through and ask myself the important questions that that if I only had six months to live. So that's kind of the whole gist of it, um, of how I got the book. And then once, you know, I was doing the worthy coaching with Nancy Levin and you, and it became very clear that was my second worthy group that this book had to go. Like I had to finish the book in order to move 
and break through something that I'd been sort of hanging on to. And it was during that group last year that I finally finished the editing and I finally sent it to the publisher. And by June it was published, which was just amazing and fun. Yeah, I remember that whole process. It was it was quite remarkable yeah. to, to be part of it with you as well. So therefore the title, right? Of Yeah. Six months to live, which was know. very controversial and I've told this story before on the radio, but but my brother, who's a screenwriter and, and, and you know, pretty savvy about titles and what they mean and how they attract, called me up and said, You cannot name this book Six Months to Live. You're going to turn people off. Nobody wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to think about it. And I stood firm and still I get some controversial comments, but I really wanted to catch people's attention in the in the manner of we all have six months to live. Like to to not look at it is almost too much denial for me at this point in my life because asking myself that question and living in the theory of I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring requires me to live in today. And it requires that I'm present and it requires that I realize what's important, who's important, prioritize in that regard. And so the title remained because it was important to me that that was the message people got even if it was controversial. Yeah. That's that but but and you stuck to your guns, which is, you know, like that was your truth and and that was just what yeah. would, you know, what was really important. Well, and I know that you've got tons of feedback um about you know, your book and how you help people. And so tell me a little bit about that cuz I know that you get great joy jumps from that. So tell me where you've touched people. That's so exciting. Uh, great, great question. Thank you. So the, the, what I really, you know, when you write a book, especially an independent author, um, okay, that's just not going to happen. Hold on just a second. Uh, when you write a book and you're an independent author, you really have to kind of work harder uh, than you, hold on. I, I have someone bothering me by keeping and calling. They won't take my no for an answer, so I needed to send that quick text. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, well, you know, it's like if you call three times, I get it's an emergency, but I'm on a radio show. Uh, so anyway. What Welcome to life, people. <laughs> the I don't even was, remember the tell. Oh, You're so funny. So, no, yeah, like, because so I, so I know you, was, you've touched people. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I guess when you write a book, you know, it's kind of like enough to, to get the book out. And then when you, when then all of a sudden someone reads it and says, you know, I'm moving in January because you made me realize that by reading this book that I've, you know, I, I'm not living happy and I can't do this anymore. She was commuting three hours a day to work in, in these. Uh, yeah, she was so, you know, as a person that lived in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, where traffic is a nightmare, and every day she was in traffic for an hour and a half to get to work, an hour and a half to get back, and it was really wearing on her. And she read the book, and she said, she sent me a text and said, I'm moving in January. I have to either be closer to work or I have to find a new job, but I've given myself till January. And I just saw on Facebook the other day that, that she's definitely making some action. Um, then she, because she, you know, realized that I was, she was just withering away to go to work to get a paycheck, which of course I lived. And so I was so, you know, touched by that. And then I had another person who sent me a text and said, I have for three years been saying I'm going to go to India. 
And then after she read my book, she booked her trip and she went in November, which she read my book in June. And by November, she was with her best friend in India doing the trip they always wanted to do. And it brought me so much joy to watch her on Facebook. I had another guy uh, call his sister who we hadn't talked to in 10 years. And he sent me a text and said, I wouldn't have called my sister if I hadn't read your book. And, you know, it was just, it's, so it's been those kinds of things where just text messages from people saying, wow, you know, I even had someone send me a text and she said, I loved every minute of your book. I couldn't put it down. It was fun. It was light. It was contemplative and downright uncomfortable at times. <laughs> I just loved that because you got to get uncomfortable to make change. Yeah, I think for I think you're right. You know, I I I you just have to get to that point where it's like enough is enough. You know, for some people, like it's just enough is enough. You know, and there's so many working women out there like just, you know, not to not to um discredit working men, but I think we as women have a different take on things. And you know, you yourself said like you were you were looking at this as a paycheck and Yeah. Because you had a family and all that, and we as women, you know, I wonder sometimes about what we, what we're willing to put up with because we think this is all that there is, you know, and and what we have to do in order to make sure that there's a roof over the head of our kids and food on our table, and not just our kids but our family, and uh, that's why. Well, you know, you know, you, know, you would really go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, yeah. that that working moms, single moms, and women in our age group genre, um, we grew up with a sort of a different, like our mothers didn't go to work. They took care of the house, and they made the food, and they did the dishes, and they were living sort of unfulfilled, but they had a role of mother. You know, years ago, people had five, six kids at a time, so there was always big families. Today's woman... And, and my favorite quote around this is I, is I don't have a nine to five. I have a when I open my eyes till I shut my eyes. And because today's woman starts at 5 a.m., she gets up, she gets the kids, she gets the, the lunches done, she throws a load of laundry, she walks the dog, she comes in, she checks her email, she's on, you know, talking to her work while she's, you know, vacuuming the floor. Then she goes to work for nine to nine hours a day if you're lucky enough to not, you know, have a long commute. And then she stops at the grocery store and then she comes home and then she makes dinner and then she does the dishes and then she helps the kids with the homework. Then she puts them in the bath. Then she reads them a story. Then she might get 10 minutes to herself. And that is 90% of the women in America today. And where do you find the joy in (laughs) that kind of a day, right? It's really like hard. yeah and yet that's what we all as spiritual seekers and truth seekers we want you know i for a, a minute there um and you know even though i have emergency cafe um which i love so much and i love teaching there are times when uh, the abundance flow, if you will, is not what I I need, and um, so I am in the process of creating uh, some other part time employment, you know, to do that. And I feel like 
I really got kind of caught up in the whole thing of like, oh, being your own boss and, you know, like being a spiritual teacher and teaching Ho'oponopono. But you know what? It's like for me, it's like sometimes that side hustle, which is so important to us, it's like, you know, we have to honor what is our truth. And if we just mm-hmm. keep honoring what is our truth, then I believe that things will, will line up. And, you know, I listen to Abraham every morning religiously, and it really helps me focus. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, taking action and, like, nobody is going to, you know, come knock on the door and hand me, you know, a million dollars and go, here you go, you know. So we as women, we have to, I believe this, you know, it's like we need to take action so that we can keep going, which, you know, kind of is a roundabout way of saying that our side hustles are, you know, are, can, we, can we find joy in our life because of our side hustles, knowing that that's, you know, what? I, how do I say this? Like, how do we, we have to like love our, our side hustles because ultimately it, it takes us to the, it's the means to an ends of our joy. Does that make sense? It's like, well, you know, because for like, me, it is my joy to, it's my joy to make sure that there's a roof over my head for my kids. And I think it's just an outlook, you know, and it's like, like you said, like living fearlessly, like just knowing, like just doing what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I have to pay the bills, you know, you know, contrary to popular belief, being an author does not make you rich. And, uh, so I also have, you know, I do taxes on the side. People, you know, most people in my life know that. This is my busy season, and it's my side hustle that I do to get me through those months where I can live in my joy, promote my book, go to book signings, talk with people, maybe teach some classes this summer, hang out with my grandkids, go to the pool, and have, you know, part-time work kind of keeping me and living under my means if I need to just to have the time because I want the time to bring out what's true for me. And you were talking about living in your truth. And I think the biggest thing about my book that happens for people when they read it is they get to get down to what is really important, what brings them joy, what they're tolerating that they should, they don't need to, what they're hanging on to, who they're not forgetting. What are all the obstacles that are stopping us from just having that I'd hustle to pay the bills with a little bit of, you know, ease and joy and then pursuing our dreams because we all have big dreams and big dreams. Like I just read a quote from Carrie Fisher and I can't quote it, but it was about, you know, it was surfacing on Facebook and she talked about just do it. Like you don't have to be the best at what you do. If you want to paint, go paint. If you want to write, write it. If you want to publish it, publish it. If you want to be an actor, go take a drama class at the local theater. Like don't let, not becoming the next Oscar winner holds you back from writing that screenplay or putting it out there. Like there's so many things that I think that we can be doing to bringing us joy. Because for me, you know, self joy being a published author was something I always dreamed about. And the, the way I made it happen was self publishing. So anybody can have the feeling of being an author. If that is what you choose or being an actress. If that is what you can go on Facebook Live right now and do a parody. You can have a YouTube channel and download yourself doing improv. Like there's so many opportunities in today's world to live your truth and have a side job that I think it's, you know, I really think it's a win-win situation in today if you don't let that nine-to-five 
bog you down and you allow some time for yourself, you know, being happy and, and, and pencil that into your day. Pencil in the joy. I love what you just said. And you know what? It's, it's about the feeling for you, for me, for, you know, it's not about like, you know, it, it, you know, Abraham always says it's about the feeling, you know, like have the feeling and then the universe will provide for you. But if you step right. out of it and you have your ego, you know, because there's so much stuff that's ego driven. But like for you, like I know you've said to me on a million occasions, like if I helped one person, that was enough. But ultimately and, and what have- you really wanted to do and you've more, well, you've helped more than one person, but Ultimately, what you really wanted to do was be a published author and know what that felt like without any. Yeah. Th- and that was it. It was like, okay, I want to be and a that published was author. So, yeah. So let me ask you something. In your process of being a published author, what was your absolute favorite chapter to write in your book? Oh, my good God. <laughs> Ah, boy, that is a really tough question because they all have special meaning to me. Each one has a sort of personal, intricately woven story into the advice that I give you to live happy. But I would probably So what's the first one that popped up? What's the first one that popped up in your brain? Family. Family. Okay. Okay. It's called Mi Familia. And, you know, oh, I just got goosebumps, so obviously that's the answer. But it was boiling down how important our tribes are to us, you know, so there's, I have two chapters. One is the friends, you know, thank you for being a friend. And I think right after that, I had family, they were very close together. And I I really took the time to reach out to my friends, to reach out to my family. And I got to, you know, I talked about traditions in family and family memories from childhood that bring us forth into our today and how we parent because of the traditions in a family that we had. And, and I think that the circle of life is family. And, you know, from me to my kids to their kids to their kids and so on and my parents and my grandparents. And so I think family, when I boiled down the family part and I, and I realized it, it brought me a lot closer to my family and it also had me telling them I love them every time I talk to them from that, from that literally the end of that, writing that chapter and living in that truth, those truths for a couple of weeks I made it really clear to the people in my family that I love that I love them and every time. And now they say it back. It's like osmosis, you know, um, where before that wasn't necessarily our truth. I love that. Yeah. I, I, as a mommy, like I, I just want to make sure that I always tell my kids that I love them, you know, like that's, that's so important. And, you know, just along the lines of family, it doesn't necessarily mean your biological family either you know like there's a lot of people out there that are listening that might not feel like they have a biological family but it's the friends that they have brought forth you know and that's their family and we talked about that when we were at mystic journey a little bit um i'm not sure if you were still there when that conversation happened but one of the people that was in the audience was talking about how she didn't feel that way like she had a family and that her friends were sort of her soul family. And I think that when you say that, like, it doesn't matter if it's blood, there's a circle of people that we entrust our life with that can call us in the middle of the night, that you'll drop everything to go pick up in a rainstorm, that um, 
that when, when, you know, and in our case, our family, when our grandmother was sick, how we all immediately came together. And I think that, you know, without even talking. And there's that tribe of people in your life that you entrust, whether they're blood or not, that is your family. And when it boils down to the end of your life, and I think that was one of the realizations, is who's going to be there next to you? If you really only had six months to live and then three months to live and then two weeks to live, who's sitting next to you? Who's coming over to say goodbye? What can I do? And I know that that is hard for people to swallow and, and, and digest, but the truth is those are the people that you want to have on the priority list instead of the guy who's emailing you about the balance sheet that's not matching. Right. It's the who will drop think, everything. Yeah, and I think that was when, when I was writing the chapter about family and I was making the differential between how much I had put into my job and neglected my family versus having the time to appreciate my family and not have a job, the feelings were so much more rewarding to spend time and be present with my family and my children and my grandchildren than that email explaining a balance sheet. And, and once I knew that feeling existed, I had to say, the balance sheet is a small part of my life, but this is my life. These are my life. These are my oh. people. Yeah. That was a big, I just got so, tears so, in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's but so... it's true for so many people. Then we, you know, we forget that that the work is again the paycheck, and yeah, it's important because we need the money. But uh, I have found a way sometimes, and I, I'm a workaholic, so get me in work, and like I am just like I can't even talk to people. So it's a hard habit to break. But I've noticed myself saying, "Where did I find time for me?" Or did I call Colodro today? Did I Facetime the granddaughter? And what? Did I reach out to granddaughter number one? You know, like, where did I find time for the people, even if it's only five minutes in your day? It just makes such a difference. But we got to pull cards yeah. now because we only have All right. So I'm, I'm pulling a card called the Soul's Journey, and they're lesson cards. And I just uh, want to see what today, you know, I've been going through some inner struggles on some triggers that I had. And I shared in a blog last week on Facebook about sort of corporate America hitting me again, but let's see what it says. Hmm. It says grief. I understand that losing something is an opportunity to appreciate it. Interesting. And maybe it's just that uh, for me, <laughs> the grief was I did have a situation where I lost a few people in my life because of a corporate America takeover again. And, um, but I got closure this time, and I got to say goodbye, and I got to, you know, um, appreciate who people are. So I think that, that if I put that towards today and what's, what my feelings were today, I feel like it's okay to grieve and say goodbye to some people and let go. Uh, you know, it reminds me of this quote I have in my book, and it says, everything I ever let go of has claw marks on it because we don't let go when it's time, usually. So that was mine. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I think I pulled a pretty perfect card for today. I am using daily guidance from your angel oracle cards by, you know, our beloved Doreen. And the card I got today goes completely, it is completely in alignment with Wayne and saying living fearlessly, live your life fearlessly because the card is go for it. (laughs) Mm, Love it. Yay. Which I love so much. I know. So on the card, it says, 
Your prayers and positive expectations have been heard and answered. We've been working with you on this situation since its genesis, and we continue to watch over you and everyone involved. Stay on your present path as it will take you very far indeed. And it is a beautiful, it almost looks like it's Doreen when she was blonde, sitting on a white unicorn. She has this beautiful purple kind of uh, Renaissance dress on uh, off the shoulder with some big uh, purple angel wings. And in the corners are these two giant cats, maybe a jaguar and a tiger in these trees. And it's just, it's just beautiful, and I feel like the, the jaguar and the cat are just watching her go for it, and, and I just love that. It's almost like the and, eye of the tiger. Oh, that, I love that, that, that thought of just like the eye of a tiger, go for it. You know, the cats, like just the way they get that look in their eye, and then they prance. And, and taking life like that is, you know, I think, that's a good message. I think that's a good message for us to leave everyone with today. Any I other words of wisdom? Second, you can find us on Facebook at the Best Life Cafe. You can find Carrie at Carrie Butler Ellis and the Emergency Cafe, Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter Facebook page, Kathy and Ella on Facebook, Cast Life on Instagram, Cast Life on Twitter. What's your Twitter, uh, Carrie? Uh, Carrie Butler. C-A-R-I. Carrie Butler on Twitter and Carrie Butler yep. on and Instagram. Cafe. That's us. Oh, That's me everywhere <laughs> we will be back next week we're going to be talking about thank and grow rich and ways to manifest abundance in your life and we're both so excited because we are pam grout followers and she's written some terrific along with some abraham stuff so we will be back next week we love you thanks for listening and please share with a friend aloha you guys